dinosaurs. Hey, you like Pez? It looks like that has Heaney from the boundary line. He's an expert at these. Hello and welcome to Behind the Boundary Podcast. I'm your host, Pez. I hope you had a wonderful Christmas and a great new year. I know you did, Source. Uh, it's good to be back away from holidays. We're back at work, uh, getting some stuff out there for the pod. Good to be back, Pez. I'm glad we had lots of pods during the off-season, as we always promise. Uh, 2021, hopefully it is a better year than 2020. Hopefully it means we get some live football. We actually get to go back to the football, fingers crossed, at least in Victoria and uh, very excited for the the new season, Pez. Oh, I can't wait. I um, yeah. When I was tweeting on on Twitter at the end of the footy season, everyone's going, oh, "What are you looking forward to in 2021?" I just want to get back to the footy with some mates and and watch some live footy because uh, we were doing that a lot previously to, to COVID, and uh, COVID meant uh, in front of the TV every single night uh, watching the footy. What what's the uh, all right? You're, you're going back to the footy, Pez. Question on notice without notice. Sorry. Going back to the footy, what's the first thing or the thing that you're most looking forward to out of all the things that you can uh, suggest? Oh, I already know. What is it? As soon as the ball's bounced and then the first <laughs> whistle's blown, I'm just going to yell out, he's been doing it all day. Um, Mine is uh, sitting on the on, on the wing and it, when someone, uh, any player from any team starts running across that wing, going towards that forward line and, and you know that, that feeling where everyone just sort of that, that, that excitement just moves, rises on, to the edges and moves on the edge of the seat. Yeah. That's what I'm looking forward to. That moment, that first sort of moment once footy's back. Uh, I, I can't wait to get get to, get to round one, game one, Richmond versus Carlton. Um, I, I don't know how many people are going to be allowed at, at this stage, yeah, but yeah. Um, hopefully we can get there. And uh, it doesn't matter how many is allowed. If it's 15,000, 20,000, 30,000. The noise level, I think, is going to be electric before that first bounce of that first game. Most definitely. We've seen it in, um, in, in American sport at the moment. They're allowing um, some... Spectators into some sports. I know the NFL uh, Buffalo Bills have uh, been on their their second playoff win in you know in such a long time, and they only had I think it was about thirteen thousand people there compared to their normal sixty thousand, and the place was unreal. <laughs> like just being back in the stadium with you know your, your fellow team, your fellow you know supporters, as well as the opposition, and just bringing back that thing that we love the most, Pez. Just at the footy, enjoying a couple beers, enjoying the great sport that is AFL, and. Uh, yeah, witnessing greatness. That's the thing. Speaking of that, we, we haven't recorded a pod since uh, near the end of November, so it's been a couple of months. Has been. And uh, what have you done with your time to, to fill the void of AFL? Yeah, not much. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've been watching a lot of the uh, the American sports, a lot of the NBA, a lot of the NFL uh, on holidays, uh, about to finish up holidays, which is a bit disappointing. I've been sinking a couple of beers with some mates, uh, being enjoying going out and doing things that are a little bit normal. We obviously are from Victoria Pairs and been yep. able to go to the pub a couple of times, have a couple of beers here, there, have gone to a couple of bars and, you know, we've been to a couple of karaoke bars actually. No, so you know, it's exciting. Good. After this recording of the pod, we're actually going to the pub tonight. We, we so. are going to the pub. Go <laughs> have a palmer and a pot. That's going to be that's gonna be another good one. But you, um, you, you'll, you'll kick me this, Pez. I still haven't had a palmer and pot since I've been back. You haven't? Because every time I've been to the pub, I haven't been in a mood for, for food. food. <laughs> so I've just been in, just craving beers. <laughs> so um, we'll see how tonight goes. Those beers on tap though, they are, they are very good. Um, have to have had them out of the bottles and cans at the moment. But What about um, you, Pez? What have you been doing? Good. Well, as you know, I messaged you when the NFL playoffs had started and <laughs> I'm not the biggest NFL fan, no. as you know, and I'm like, oh, who do you think will win this game? Because I, I just want to watch some sport. I've got NBA. Some days there's 12 games of NBA. Some days there's three. So mm-hmm. it kind of annoys me when you could 
even it out a little bit <laughs> yeah. and let me watch more games. Have five games day. every day instead of like two and then 20 and can't yeah. watch them all at the same you time. You can't watch them all, but um, a bit on replay. And uh, been getting into the Big Bash in about the last week because it is a it is a long season, the Big Bash, and it's still not going to be finished. It's going to move into February even. So um, hopefully the final series in that's pretty good. There's been a lot of close games in the BBL, so... Uh, I'm yes. a bit sceptical. You are very sceptical. Every time uh, you message me or we watch it together, it's uh, it's rigged. It's rigged. It's rigged. And as, as the beers flowers and the, the cricket goes on, it gets more and more aggressive. And uh, I know your theory that you think it's a, a rigged game, but it's, it's it's been an interesting, the BBL, the, the development over the last couple of years. It came off and it sort of came out of the gates running and it slowly slowed down. And I think people are a little bit fatigued with it as for the length of it at the moment. Um, and especially with, you know, the Australian team not doing so well. People have sort of lost a little bit interested with COVID, obviously, and, you know, getting out and about a bit more. And, yeah, I think, I think it's just we're a little bit fatigued from it. Well, when Australia couldn't be beat back in the day, cricket <laughs> fans are a plenty, but uh, losing that series to India was, uh, yeah, watching that. And the the two last tests, the Test 3 and Test 4, where India were able to bat out a draw and then they were able to actually steal a win from an unwinnable position, mm-hmm. they got out to something like $23 in the odds, which is uh, a very, very long odds <laughs> very for, juicy. A, for a team. But, um, <laughs> but, mate, that's why I want AFL to come back because all the teams that I support at the moment can't win a game. So <laughs> Geelong's probably the best shot at winning. I follow Minnesota. We're speaking of unlosable positions. Uh, had to witness that yesterday, down by uh, – sorry, up by 14 points with not long to go and lose on the buzzer again. Yeah, after having two free throws to put us up by four if they – could ice the game. Could ice with the four game. seconds to go. Missed both and uh, Cole Anthony goes down and a hits rookie. a three. And, uh, Wait, where's our rookie? What's he doing? Nah, it does, doesn't matter. Minnesota are never going to be any good, are they? <laughs> not, we, never any good. Uh, Australian's not been very good at the cricket lately. Uh, take that. That's why I need uh, Geelong back in my life, mate. They're the only consistent thing that I can sort of back in for a win. And it will be interesting because uh, today you, people have asked me, they're like, oh, you want to have some beers tonight? I said, oh, I'm just recording a pod first so maybe later on. And they said, the footy's not even on. No. Hey, you're recording a pod. Well, we're recording a pod because uh, it's what the fans want. And they've asked us some questions and we've chosen a few of those questions, Source, and we're going to go through them and have a bit of discussion about each one. And uh, we don't only have the questions we're going to be asking tonight, but we've got a bit of a bank that we're going to get through over the next few weeks until the AFL season starts. Yeah, because I guess this is our pre-season, Pez. Just like all the uh, AFL teams have gone back to their pre-season, sweating up, doing their time trials. I've got my uh, my six-pack out, Pez. you got your six-pack out. Uh, we're going to do the Lou Williams Challenge and uh, <laughs> try and uh, work through these pre-season questions. Get our, get our voices ready. Get it prepped for the season so we can give, deliver to the fans another you know fan favourite, another classic. For those listening that don't know what the Lou Williams <laughs> Challenge is, I'll save you a, a click from actually looking it up it's uh drinking a six-pack within 20 minutes it's a very very hard thing to do sauce extremely tough we have failed uh, a couple times pairs but we're, we're getting better we're getting better we're up to we're up to four beers in the 20 and then uh we uh don't look very good but that's why we do the pre-season pairs that's why you put in the hard-earned minutes for the pod so we can make sure we can deliver another great season for our fourth season and hopefully another successful uh uh betting season as well pez that's it we do have our uh Little spin-off, the, the Cheeky Punt podcast show, where uh, we put some put some bets down and uh, haven't had a losing season yet, which is good. That's wood, that's wood. That's wood. <laughs> There's <laughs> a lot of wood here. There's, There's a lot of wood here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's get things started. So as Pez said, we did get some um, some crowd participation. We jumped on Twitter. And if you do want to, or you do uh, are interested in any more questions and finding out some discussion points for us, Pez, where, where can our fans go? What is it? Is it at, at Behind the Bound? <laughs> oh, it's been that long you've forgotten the, the plug, At mate. Behind the Bound at Twitter. <laughs> 
Facebook, Facebook, Instagram, wherever you want to go. Jesus, DMs are always open. See, this is why. This is, <laughs> oh, be very careful with the DM, mate. I don't, I don't know if any uh, Johnny Patton's uh, fans are going to be sliding into any of your DMs. Johnny Patton was trying to slide into behind the bounds, and uh, we just we didn't rat him out or anything. Mate, can not, I can, not, I, can I tell a bit of a funny story, Pez? I just I just got uh, on on the Johnny Patton thing. You, you just were, got a message, did you? No, no. You would you you were, you and I were talking about that. You know, in the morning um, of one of the one of the you know holidays that we were. Uh, had the break on and we were talking back and forth and you're like oh, I haven't been able to find any of the, any of the pictures that he sent or whatever whatever blah blah, blah. <laughs> and I'm like oh, okay well Pez settle down and uh, I got a new Apple Watch and we'd stop messaging and then later on that day I was hanging out with my mum and I'm showing her all the functions <laughs> and then you send across uh, Johnny Batten's business <laughs> in a photo that flashed up on my oh, Apple Watch and <laughs> I would never be that irresponsible and do that because that's uh, that's not allowed not allowed at all so. but uh, mum's like oh what's that I'm like oh that's just Perry just messaging me she goes oh that's a little bit impressive but no, no. She, she already knows <laughs> about that mate alright all right, speaking, so speaking of mums I just want to wish my mum a very happy birthday for yesterday oh happy birthday <laughs> Mrs. Mrs. Bez here we That's go. it. Well, this, yeah, definitely, definitely glad we're getting the uh, the preseason out of the way, Pez, because it's been some high quality recording here. But let's get into things. We did say that uh, our, our Twitter followers and our, our fa- friends on Facebook and our fans of the show have been sending in some questions. If you've got any more that we don't address today, as Pez said, we've got a bank already. We're going to try and get through every club, and so if we don't discuss your club today, send us a question so we can have a discussion. Uh, where do you want to start things off, Pez? Start from the top. Yeah, we'll, we'll go. The first question today is one of the biggest recruits of the off-season is uh, Big Joe Danaher moving from Essendon up to Brisbane. And the question is, can Joe Danaher fix the Brisbane Lions' inaccuracy? Yeah, going to be a huge question um, and one of those things that we were talking lots about last year anyway, Brisbane's inaccuracy in front of goal. Last year they led the league in behinds, uh, 175 behinds for the whole year, and they sat about six uh, in goals, uh, only kicking 181. I'm going to say only kicking 181, <laughs> but when, you, when you're leading the league in behinds, it really does um, ask some questions about the inaccuracy. But I think what Danaher is going to offer the Brisbane forward line is one of the issues that Brisbane had, and we've said this on the show many a times, is when they get in this forward line, whoever is around wherever, their theory is the more you have pings at goal, the more chance you are to have a, have a scoring opportunity. They did really have a proper forward structured and I think Joe Danaher being that towering present they will be able to if coached properly which we know Fagan is a great coach will be able to develop some sort of forward line that is targeting around him that will free up Cameron that will allow some crumbs to happen for for Raynar and some of those other little small forwards and I think it will because they'll be getting more genuine looks at the goal and less pinging, having random shots from the boundary and just, you know, sort of pinging up there. I mean, there was a game where Neil had six shots on goal. Not, none of them through set shots, all through running goals. I think mm. they'll be able to develop more of a structure in there and something a little bit more structured has to, in my opinion, ha- has to result in, in more accuracy. Yeah, well, when you think of Joe Danaher, you think of inaccuracy uh, straight away So that question's Kind of strange Because how is he going to fix it If he's an inaccurate goal kicker Across his eight seasons At Essendon And we know that he sat out uh, A few of the seasons Didn't play full seasons He's kicked 191 goals And 144 behind So uh, Not the Not the worst accuracy Of a player And I think uh, As you're saying He's going to open up The avenues for Eric Hipwood To get a bit more space Because the best defender is probably going to have to go to Joe Danaher. So Eric Hipwood doesn't get the best defender anymore. So he gets the second. McStay gets now the third instead of the second defender. And it just goes down the tr- uh, the, the train like that. So I think that uh, Joe Danaher will definitely improve and Brisbane Lions will be focusing on that anyway. The hurt from that prelim finals loss when they were so close, they had the perfect opportunity to win a premiership during COVID because they played 
almost every game up at the Gabba and the, the grand final was actually at the Gabba and they, they missed an opportunity there to have their home fans having a look and having them see them win a premiership. That would have been one of the most amazing things for those Queensland supporters up there, but uh, weren't able to do it. So they'll be hungry this year. Jordano is apparently fit and firing. Let's just hope that he stays interested because when he came back for Essendon, you could see the interest wasn't really there. He popped up and kicked four goals here and there and uh, he can be a match winner if he can stay on the park. Yeah, I think you're, you're, you're really correct there. His t- genuine talent is, is not in question here because we know that you give, he gives himself more opportunities to actually get the, get the pill and have a shot at goal. He's bound to kick at least half of them, and that, that's sort of what he does. He isn't an accurate forward, but the delivery is going to be a lot better. The ball's going to be coming in there a lot. You know, when Brisbane are up and running, that ball was coming in fast and hot, and they're going to have three genuine forwards there because, you know, you've also got the development of Big O down there as well, um, you know, Big Oscar, McInerney, and like That'll give them three sort of big forwards there to work around, and... You're right. <laughs> the number one defender has to go to him. Cameron uh, Cameron Rayner is one of those sort of you know those forwards that can pop up, and he has been touted as a that sort of smaller forward to be able to do that. So he's going to be able to run loose. You know, Jeremy. That's uh, not Jeremy Cameron. Sorry, but Cam, Cameron. Charlie Cameron. Charlie Cameron. He was normally taking your number one defender down there, and he's going to be allowed to to run wild as well. So it's going to be a very interesting development. Lincoln McCarthy down there as well, snopping up for a couple of goals. Very strong. They've got a lot of people that can run through there. They're, Brisbane's one of their strengths last year was uh, kicking goals from the midfield as well. So uh, I think that they'll change change it up a little bit and they'll lower the eyes heading into forward 50 and that should in, increase their accuracy in front of goals because whenever they got in, in stride 50, 40 metres out on the run, they were just taking pings and uh, who was it? Hugh McCluggage, Lockie Neal, a lot, a lot of behinds last season. They lower the eyes. They hit up one of those leading forwards, first, second, third, doesn't matter who it is. If Joe Danaher's a decoy, he's a decoy and their forward line will still run good. As you said, you've got to give the number one defender to him, you would say, and if he's not performing, the number one defender goes to the person who is performing. Well, then you've got Joe Danaher is, is, you know, is, is, is on the next next defender and hopefully, as you said, that they establish a game plan for Brisbane's sake and Brisbane supporters because... As you said, very big missed opportunity last year. They've got the talent there. Their forward line is very damaging. They've got the reigning Brownlow medalist, um, you know, the winner. <laughs> Their back line is, is pretty pretty um, deep as well. They would be expecting um, top two finish and hopefully a grand final berth, especially with this forward line. So Fagan needs to put it together on the park, get a really, really strong game plan based around a forward line. And that was their only issue last year is their inaccuracy. Otherwise, we'd be talking about a Brisbane team, you know, knocking off Richmond. Yeah, and, and they would have beaten Richmond that night. They lost by about 40 points. Uh, it was 40 plus. Uh, and they they should have easily won that game, but their inaccuracy did cost them. So uh, can Joe Danher fix the Brisbane Lions' accuracy? I think he can. He improves them. Uh, but there still are some other strong teams in the competition to fight with. So it's not all we get Joe Danaher and we win the premiership. They've got to work hard for it and they've got to continue to improve their game. Yeah, most definitely. All right, second question. Port Adelaide supporters will be happy about this one. Ken Hinckley during the break was rewarded for Port Adelaide's amazing season and finishing top and, you know, won a win away from a grand final berth with a two-year extension to his contract. Uh, he's been at the club since 2013. He's had a, a reasonably successful tenure there. Um, Pez, I'm really interested to hear your thoughts, not only on the extension of, in general, a two-year contract. First, before we get into the two-year contract business... Is it a good signing or a bad signing, considering that they had that was the the make or break? That's what everyone that's Koshi came out and said that they need to be they need to be a genuine contender for him to keep his job. They've done that. What do you think? Bad signing. 
definitely a bad signing because whenever you extend a coach, and if you're an avid listener of the pod, you will know my my thoughts on this. If you extend a coach when you don't need to, it is a bad move. I don't care who the coach is because no one else is in the running for Ken Hinckley. No one's going to steal him away from you. Let him finish off his contract. Let him see how he goes in 2021. And then if he's going good, re-sign him for another year or another two years. There's no reason to re-sign a coach for, you know, in an extension. We saw St Kilda make that mistake. I was harping on about that for a whole season and uh, it put them behind by at least one or two seasons. So uh, just because they're going well and they tracked well, you know, during COVID, they played a lot of games at home. They enjoyed the hub up in Brisbane. Uh, can you really go off that and say, all right, they're, they're going to be good. They're going to be travelling a lot more next season mm-hmm. uh, to places like Melbourne, Western Australia, Sydney. They're going to be going around everywhere. They are going to be playing their games at home and they should be able to win those games at home. But is their list really improving? Is their development happening? Uh, I'm not too sure. I just hate extensions of coaches. I, I just think I agree with your your two year plan. I, I don't think that anywhere above a one year plan, unless you unless you you know you, you person has won a premiership coming off the. Oh, I'll you, know, you, you, you win a premiership, you know, on your first year, for example. If he'd won the premiership this year, hey, you gift him two years just on. Thank you for winning us a premiership. He did do a lot of the hard yards here, but you look at their last, you know, the, well, look at since he's been at the club. So they've made two prelims since he's been there back in uh, 2013 when they came from seventh. 14, I think. Uh, 2014, sorry, when they, when they came from fifth. And, and last year they, they made a prelim as well where they finished top. Before that, they finished 10th, 10th, 5th, 10th, 9th. Right? Not a great sort of, sort of run. And I guess the, the biggest thing that I'm looking at is what's a pass mark for them? Now, they've given them a two-year contract. Now, if you give them a one-year contract, you can be really clear about what the pass mark is. So, like, what's a pass mark for Port Adelaide? Let's just well, – what's a pass mark for them? After finishing on top? Top, top two, top four. Top four. Top four prelims. They've got to finish top four. I would say that they'd have to, to – well, they won their first final, so that, that, that's – They've got to play in a prelim. They've got to play in a prelim. If he doesn't make that – He's still got another contract. He's still got another year now, and that's where I think if you gave the one year, hey, you know what? We were 50-50 on you last year. We said that there was make or break. You have delivered. Here's another one-year contract. Do it again. Now, you don't know what's sort of coming back from Hinkley where they're saying, you know what? You guys either give me two years or I'm walking out the door. That list is good enough, and I don't think Ken Hinkley, no offence or anything, I don't think he was the main reason for that uh, for that team's success. It was the development of those young players. You're going to get a lot of those young players back that they sort of suffered injuries, injuries towards the end of the season. So they're going to have a good list anyway. He's been there for eight, nine years. Well, he's been there for seven years. So, like, he's going to be there nine years at the end of the tenure. It would have been a great opportunity to give a one-year contract to him and say, hey, make or break, you, you deserve a top-two finish or a prelim. Well, actually, no, sorry, a prelim and a grand final berth. If not, our list is young enough that we can je- you know, we can throw in the, the towel, get a new coach and, and review. Re- re- yeah. you know. And I'm not even saying if you don't extend him, you have to sack him at the end of no, that. No, no, Because if he performs... Go another you, one. You There's give him another one. He earns it. And you've got to have that fire as a coach. Ken Hinckley's not going to be the guy that goes, oh, I've got a two-year extension. I can I can just settle and, and go from here because coaching in the AFL, very, very tough job. He's coached eight full seasons and only half of those seasons has resulted in a finals berth. Uh, but no season he has uh, finished lower than 10th. Mm-hmm. So they've always been in contention for the eight. Never finished lower than 10th. Uh, you'd have to say he's a decent coach off of what's been happening. Oh, they, yeah, they, most definitely. They finished first with uh, 14 wins last season in a, sh- in a shortened season. So uh, only three losses during the season, which uh, w- was a very good year. Very good year, but they disappointed in the finals. 
they were disappointing in the finals, and you know, but for them, hopefully, in a any season, if it was any season that you were going to be disappointing in it, it's not a bad season to be disappointing. Yeah, like it's a, again, they had the advantage of finishing the top four, so they they did have the advantage of them actually having a home final. They came up against a informed Richmond side who was going to win the premiership. Then they were a little bit unlucky in the, in their next sort of weeks, but. That, that's what happens when you've got young teams playing in that sort of, you know, that sort of big thing. They're going to have finals experience now. They're going to get a lot of, you know, as you said, they're going to get at least half of their games in Port Adelaide, which we'd say would be a win. Their fixture is going to be a little tougher, though, because they did finish top. And that's the, with this, you know, this uh, weighted fixturing. That's going to be the question. So I agree with you 100% solely. I don't understand why the fascination with coaches, especially, especially if you're sacking, you have to pay out the other the next year anyway. Like, why yep. would you? Why would you invest that money? You're not going to risk it. Exactly right. Why? why unless, as I said, unless you're, a, a, you know, you're rewarding for a premiership, and even then, you know. If, if they're at the end of their career, of you know someone like Geelong, like you know if Geelong had won there, then you're not going to give them another four years. You know Thompson or whatever. Oh, sorry, Thompson, not going to give Scott another another four years because his list is 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 an old list. So he's not going to go back there next year. Hey, there's one more year as a, as a thank you, and we'll see how you go at the end. Uh, I don't understand why clubs want to continually do these these massive contracts, and this is only a small one. But in, unless someone's trying to poach your coach, and other other teams are after them, and they need security to stay, and you've yeah. had that discussion, and you you've discussed your list beyond being in the premiership window, where are we going to go? Are you prepared to do a, a rebuild when we get to that stage? If I'm going to sign you for four years. Our premiership window might only be open for two and then we have to start rebuilding. Are you prepared to do that? Are you prepared to make the hard calls and do all of these things? So those discussions need to happen, but extensions, when they're not needed, hate them. Yeah, most definitely, Pez. Uh, I just don't understand it. Um, as you said, no, I don't think anyone's really going to be chasing Hinckley if he was... Uh, I mean, he's a good coach and stuff, but... He's been a consistent coach. That's about it. He hasn't, you know, he's had a couple of seasons up in here where he's sort of surprised a few where they, they finished fifth. But again, outside last season, the highest they finished was fifth. Like, so still had the one top four finish in eight years. Yeah, and that's probably not acceptable in, in the end. Like, it's uh, oh, I don't like that at all. No. All right. One of the questions we had from one of our viewers, uh, we had a couple of North supporters actually jump on the old horn, mate. We had uh, Dan, Dan Meany, James. We still Vella. got North listeners. We still have them. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. They obviously must tune out uh, just like they do when they're watching North Melbourne play. Uh, because <laughs> I'm about to tune out for this question. <laughs> no, this is a great question, Pez, because for the last five years, you and I have been calling that North Melbourne needed to hit the reset button. They have finally done it. They've gone all in on a massive rebuild. I guess the question that's come in the most is about will North's clean-out achieve its desired outcome? Now, Pez, put aside our, our rubbish thing then about them moving to Tassie for two seconds because they have taken the right step in setting themselves up for success. But what is it, is it going to work, this full rebuild, full rebuild, rebuild, my goodness, can't even speak, but is that going to set them up for success? Is it, is it going to work? It's, it's something that has to happen. We've been calling for it for years. Um, I'll definitely be calling for it every single week. Uh, and they got rid of uh, 11 people delisted. They traded a couple away in Ben Brown and Sean Higgins. To, uh, ben Brown to Melbourne and Sean Higgins to a contender in Geelong. And they've just pretty much done a, done a sweep. We've gone, all right, we're finally going down. We're going to keep these players. We're like delisting 11 players, Source. It's, it's unheard of. And um, to do that, they're going through a full rebuild. Reece Shaw, uns unfortunate circumstances, ended his tenure as the coach of North, North Melbourne. So um, he, he's gone. So it's a full clean-out coach, 11 and, and two traded as well. Yeah, so, so, so 14 new faces have yeah. entered the club. Um, 
And what I like what they've done is they've actually, some of the players that they've gone and recruited, and mainly they're going to the draft, but they have recruited young. They've recruited Jaden Stevenson from Collingwood. They've recruited, um, I always struggle with his name, Abu Bosnavaya from uh, another tall Collingwood. From yep. Collingwood. Um, so, so those two players, they obviously they uh, took advantage of Collingwood's um, books and <laughs> have grabbed some really great um, young stars with potential. That fits the timeline for North if they're doing a rebuild, which is something they probably haven't done in the last couple of years. You know, fit the timeline with the list development. And as we said, they should have done this rebuild five years ago. They snuck into a couple of finals. They they got lucky in a couple of wins, and they topped up the talent. And the rest of the list wasn't there. Yeah, and definitely shouldn't have. And speaking to a few mates across the years that do go for North, uh, they always thought they're in contention for top four and everything. Never finished in the top four, but did finish in the final four, making those couple of prelims. Uh, what was it, four or five years ago? Uh, but it was it was false hope losing those prelims by ten plus goals and uh, just as you said re re getting all those older players to come in they got um, those players from Port Adelaide the Jasper Pitta the the Polek it it just didn't work and they do need to go in the draft they've they've cleaned it out they've gone there they will be uh, the worst side in the competition which isn't news to anyone so uh the rebuild isn't going to work in one year so hopefully the north fans out there do understand that a rebuild does take time and you need to give them a few years hopefully they're just looking for some talent they're looking for some players to pop up and play some really good games get a few wins during the season Jaden stevenson I, I really like him as a player he for whatever reason fell out with nathan buckley and wasn't played in the forward line where he could uh kick his goals and and get on the lead he was a really good first half player i don't know if he fatigued towards the end in, in games and things like that. But Buckley uh, played him on the half-back line during the second half of the season when he was actually in the side and not omitted, and uh, it just didn't work for him. So I think he is a forward. I think he's a, a lead-up type one and can get a bit of space. So uh, going to North, you're probably not going to get the ball. But, um, yeah, good luck to him. No, but what, what I like is, you know, Jaden Stevenson, for whatever reason, as you said, fell out of favour. Whether I just hope that when North have recruited him and, they, and they've got him that – he has had some trouble off the field, and I really hope that North Melbourne's, uh, you know, lack of, I guess, facilities and depth and, and probably established culture there, hopefully that doesn't, uh, you know, that allows him actually to play the best football that he can. What I do like is that they targeted clubs that their young players couldn't get a game. Like, you know, they went and got Lockie Young from, from the Western Bulldogs, so he'll play off of the back line. He'll be, you know, fit in there again with that sort of, um, that time that we're talking, Aiden Core. They've got, you know, picks number two and 11 coming in, you know, uh, Flynn Perez. One of your mates, mate, Flynn Perez. He probably won't start um, at the start of the season, but for me, a desired result for them for this season would he would be able to play at least half the games. You would you would say get some experience, hopefully playing a couple of wins. Jaden Stevens, Cam Zerha, Jack Zebel. You know you'd be expecting them to to pop up for at least averaging a couple goals a game. That's a big win for them. So I think it will work in its desired outcome. You said they're going to be down the bottom of the ladder, so they're going to get another 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 crack at the draft. They went and. Um, um, you know, at the end of this year, they'll probably have to get rid of some of those those uh, players that they sort of hung around to. They sort of uh, what was it? They topped up with a couple of years ago that Pollock and that Anderson and and they've got some good emerging stars in Luke McDonald, who who probably had a breakout season last year. He could probably make a make a case for an All Australian, um, you know, as a defenseman. So it's promising. I think it will work as long as they stick to the plan. The problem is when teams go down the bottom and they do a rebuild, pairs is that they have so much pressure from the media, from their Supporters, fans, yep. the, the, you know, the, the commentary box. This is a five-year plan. They've just come out of the draft and they didn't even get the best kid in the draft, 
right, because of that ridiculous um, the academy stuff. The Western Bulldogs bloke got the number one pick. So they're, they're, they're starting their rebuild already on the back foot. Now, next year, you would expect them to get another top three pick, putting those games into those young fellas and not worry about the outside noise. We know that they're not going to be good. We know that they're probably going to lose by big margins. All you want to do is get experience into those young legs, young legs, build a really good community and build a place that in three years, that's when you bring in that experienced player. Just like the Gold Coast are now with you know bringing in Alice, boom, perfect. Right when they're about to win, right when they're about to take off, that's what your members want. Your members don't mind putting through some hurt and some pain and some bad losses as long as you stick to a plan and you, ha- you are transparent with your members and you have a direction that you're going. I want to add to uh, the fans' questions on this one for North because um, I'm, I'm thinking they are. I think that North in 2021 will get more fans to their games than they did, than they did in 2020. You're an absolute <laughs> flog. <laughs> an absolute flog. You, you, we were doing so well with not having a crack pot, mate, and, and you just went in there and had a red-hot crack of them. It's not on. Uh, North Melbourne fans, yes, I do think it will be a desired outcome for them as long as they stick to the plan. And North Melbourne supporters... You have to sit there and you can't jump on social media and start bashing North Melbourne. You've got to be there. You've got to support the kids. You've got to continually to build a really great community because let's be honest, North Melbourne is one of the teams that is on the fringe being in the league and not being in the league. If the AFL see them and, and apply the pressure and they, they walk away from this rebuild, then they're going to be in a worse situation than they will be in three years if yeah. they stick to it. going to be in Tassie. That's, that's the worst situation <laughs> with the win over there. But um, what all fans want, from a rebuilding team is effort from the players. The the skill errors will come. They're, they're not up to it. They're, they're doing all those certain things, kicking inside 50, turning the ball over a lot. Um, it will happen, and they will get a lot of goals kicked on them. They will go on runs. They will get a lot of runs against them, and they'll lose by big margins. But um, if the effort's not there, that's when the fans actually have a have a voice and can come out and be like, hey, what's going on here? Yeah. And But as, as, as you said, Pez, though, if they... Fans don't mind that as long as there's effort. And if you are putting um, effort into, you know, if you're putting young kids on the park, you're generally going to get effort. It's the more experienced players that you don't get the effort from. They're, they've still got an elite ruckman there, so they're going to get a fair look at the the pill. You know, Todd Goldstein will be able to give oh, them. Toddy. He'll be able to give them Should've first left. first look at the, the pill, though. And that's what you need as a midfielder. As you said, those mistakes will come. Those skill errors will come. But they, they've got Stevenson down there. They've got um, Cam, Cam Zerma. They've got Cunnington in the middle. They, they've got a, not a bad little core. Yeah, Goldstein's their second best midfielder as well. To at least be consistent. Okay, now there's weeks they're going to get absolutely trashed. But for them to build consistency into their game plan. At the moment, the number one concern from North Melbourne last year was, is what the hell were they doing? They didn't have a game plan. They just, just kicked the ball. It was kick to kick. Take the time. They've got a new coaching to change. They've they got a new list. Put into an effort and stick with the plan. Stick with the rebuild. Build some consistency. Believe in some of these young guys that you see and uh, put, them, put them in. Get games into them. In two or three years, we might be talking about North uh, getting out of the bottom four and finishing 15th or something like that. That'd be Or 14th. That'd be really good. Absolutely. All right, Pez. Your, uh, your time on the podcast, I might take a back seat because we did get a question with St Kilda. Uh, and it he- wasn't me. <laughs> yeah, with St Kilda heavily recruiting over the off-season and being a, a bit of a destination club, which is, it was very interesting um, to, to hear because uh, St Kilda have not been a destination club. They've always been mentioned in the talks just to bump the price tag up. They're like uh, um, North Melbourne that's always uh, involved in everything. Do not put us in the same <laughs> basket there. <laughs> All right, Piers, what was the question that came from the, uh, the fans? So after being very active in the last two off-seasons, where do the Saints sit 
with their list heading into season 2021. Yeah, so they they went and got they went out and got uh, big recruits. They got uh, Brad Crouch, which which is an absolutely amazing in and out midfielder that they sort of build some depth in there. Jack Higgins slots straight into that side. You would say, Piers, I'm going to hand it straight over to you because this is your low love child. Yeah, um, does it get it done? Oh, it, it improves them definitely. Uh, Brad Crouch, I think. Um, his disposal does need to be worked on. At least we'll be able to tell who Brad and who Matt is next year because they're not going to be <laughs> in the same team. You'll still lose your bet on them. Sean <laughs> <laughs> McKernan comes in as well as like a, a third string just for injuries, I think. I don't think he's going to be in the best 22, but if uh, Paddy Ryder does go down, uh, he's going to be coming in as a, as a backup ruckman there. Uh, so, so two recruits this year, five-star recruits the, the year before, um, playing with the season together. They were also able to keep Jake Carlisle, who was out of contract, which uh, no other clubs jumped up and got him. And I think he can be a very good uh, defender as, as the second or third guy. He used to be a big interceptor, but now I think he needs to um, take the second or third guy with Dougal Howard taking the, the best defender. Uh, Saints won a final last year. Uh, so what's a pass mark for them with new recruits? big uh, things on them. I think they need to win win a final again, finish somewhere between uh, in the top six. Uh, I am a St Kilda supporter, so I'm not going to come out and say they must finish top four. I know a lot of people will, will be saying that, but I think they need to finish top six, win one or two finals uh, to be a pass mark. And if they can make a prelim and, and do something special and, and, and gel somehow, I think uh, one player and one recruit that needs to to pull his finger out and get a big move along is Bradley Hill. Mm-hmm. He's, he's very good with the footy in his hands, just doesn't get it enough. Uh, I don't know if it's St Kilda not giving him the ball enough. He, he can't get his own hard ball. I don't know if he needs to, you know, can you even improve that? Improve your hardness to, to go and get the footy? He's but an I, outside runner. But I think I think it, um, the inclusions of Brad Crouch and Hanbury having an actual full season getting games into it, that will improve his toughness with there because the pack won't be as hard to go into. There won't be as much cluster around there because those blokes go in there, they get the pill, they'll be able to create a bit more space for them. He looked amazing in that preseason, but you know what happens in the preseason is the intensity is not as high. And that's what's the concerning. So he does need to get a move on with with that. And you are right. Can you improve the toughness? No. But situational, he, he can improve the situation that he is in to, to make it at least appear like he's going in harder. You get that footy. I think uh, the age demographic of this list is very, very good. Uh, I mentioned Dougal Howard, Ben Patton, uh, Cal Wilkie, the accountant from South Australia. He's done really, <laughs> really well uh, down there. Doesn't get spoken about a lot in media, but a very solid defender. Hunter Clark, one of my favourites. Uh, Dan Butler up forward. Max King, still very young. Uh, Jack Billings he, He's one as well So Brad Hill Jack Billings They need to have Really really good seasons Jack still needs to continue Zach Jones Stay on the park For a little bit longer Seb Ross What's his role He's not going to get 30 touches Like he used to anymore He might get his 15 to 20 And just uh, Maybe needs to improve His disposal a little bit Ben Long uh, Very tough at the footy But um, can't afford To get suspended Like he like he has been And I think They're, they're very versatile They've got Every aspect covered they just don't have those absolute out-and-out superstars. They've got Jack Steele, who's probably in contention for a Brownlow medal, but they don't have those other midfielders that are that are up there. So if someone can can pop up and you know improve a lot, and they can really make a make a charge for the top four, if uh, the fixture goes goes their way and they're able to uh, stay away from injuries. Yeah, and, that, and that's the thing is, I think that the list that you've got on paper there, you're right. You don't have any out-and-out superstars, but you have enough talent to help 
win games, obviously, but then also build the, um, you know, those young stars that you spoke about, Hunter Clark, Jade Gresham, you know, getting some more time in that midfield for them. We saw when they actually came into the midfield, they looked really good. And I think those those older bodies there and the more experienced bodies will allow you guys to be more aggressive in building consistency. Because one of the issues that you had with St Kilda, and we saw it in the last final, Piz, is that they are a really great side for patches in games. But when they fade out, they fade out completely and they just don't look like they're on the park at all. And it's, it's quite concerning. Yeah, and the big thing that's concerning is Paddy Ryder did his hamstring in the last minute or so against the Bulldogs yeah. in that first final. And if he can't get fit and firing and, and go, because he was absolutely a, a superstar ruckman for them as 32 or 33 years of age, if he can stay in the park all season and including finals, I think it makes them a much stronger side. But if he goes down uh, and you have to put Rowan Marshall as your first ruck and Sean McKernan comes in off the bench as your second ruck, it just weakens the team a lot. Uh, big call as well. The captain from last season, Jaron Geary, I don't think he's in the best 22 anymore. I mean, he sort of, he sort of was... He sort of flirted with being the best 22 last year before you had these recruits. You know, he came back in after his injury and he performed here and there, but I think he is no longer that walk-up start and I think he's really going to have to improve on the on the um on the playing oh, sorry, on the training track as well as that though. I think he might start to move into more of this senior leadership role and you know, he, apparently he's very respected around the club and they they love him as a leader there, but it, it makes it tough to be a captain of the club when if you're not <laughs> going to make it. the game. So because I think that you know they've they've played him last season as a forward in some games, notably against Carlton and Western Bulldogs to to lock down someone. But with Jack Higgins coming into that forward line as well with yeah. Dan Butler, I don't think there's any room for him down there. With Caulfield improving, Ben Patton, Callum Wilkie. Jake Carlo, Dougal Howard. I don't think there's room for him down back either. Well, I think Higgins, Higgins and Geary will probably, you know, they'll probably fight for each other's spot some weeks because whilst Higgins did have that breakout season in his first year, he really hasn't delivered a consistent, outstanding approach. We're, we're, we're touting him as a young star because, you know, he's already got a premiership medallion and he was very electric in that first couple of years. But since he's sort of come, you know, he's come returned from injury, he hasn't been as electric and as, uh, you know, you'd, still, you'd put him over Geary for, in terms of, uh, I guess, age and expectation and potential. But Geary will be, be able to fight for that spot and hopefully that can light a cracker up, you know, Higgins and get back to some of that best in his early years. You know, it's one of the hardest things in footy when uh, there's a couple of people fighting for the same spot and people miss out every year in a grand final. But it's one of the best problems to have as a coaching staff 100%. at a club. Uh, it's always heartbreaking story for those that just miss out. But you know what? If, if you've got it, it's just a luxury. Oh, what, a, what, a, what a terrible problem to have. We've got too much talent to get on the field. Jeez, that's a, it's better than having the, the other problem that we spoke about with North Melbourne where you're looking for talent every week trying to find Who's gonna which, play. which young kid you're going to be looking at you know, rather than... What have they got? Six walk-up starts or something, North? <laughs> Goldstone. We've already done North. <laughs> yeah. But I wouldn't want to... They'd probably have about six or seven, I'd say. Zerha, Zebel, Goldstein, McDonald. Probably Huntington. more, actually. Jed Anderson. Cunnington, that's six. They probably have a look up more. Pollock. Oh, yeah, yeah, there we go. Maybe. He got dropped last year, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. All right, uh, let's get on to. Are you, are you done? Are you, oh, you finished, mate? You finished the little spiel? I think we went through every player on that list. I'm done. <laughs> oh, I, I kept a few out, but um, yeah, they're improving and they're, they're a young age demographic and. Uh, Excited for it, but uh, and they were they were they when they when they play that brand of footy pairs, they are really exciting, and um, they were one of my my preferred teams to watch. Obviously, because you and I speak a lot about them anyway. But they when they were up and about, they looked like they could knock off anyone. Yeah, and then they'd give up uh, five goal leads in the second half. Five like goal that. leads. Remember what? that? Remember that Fremantle game? Yeah. <laughs> that was more than five goals, mate. Yeah, that was not good. 
All right, let's, uh, speaking of teams that aren't good, uh, let's get on to the how will the Western Bulldogs star-studded midfield perform in season 2021. Uh, they were one of the teams that uh, probably could have got even stronger across that um, across last season, but their recruiting was amazing. They did recruit very heavily, and they topped up that midfield with Trelaw and Martin. And what that does is it builds a really, really... Um, Strong midfield is probably to say the <laughs> to say the least in terms of I guess accumulative possessions and you know what their what their strength is if get, actually getting the pill you got Trelaw Josh Dunkley you would say would, would come back into that midfield he did try to get out of um, Western Bulldogs because he wasn't happy with his role can't imagine his role uh, changes much from what it was last year yeah the emergence of uh, Bailey Smith last year you got McRae Liberatore Lockie Hunty Lockie Hunt, sorry Lockie Hunter you had Marcus Bontempelli playing some spurts uh, spurts in that midfield as well. Um, it's an amazing midfield on paper in terms of getting the pill pairs. But does that transfer into results? And for me, I don't know where their pass mark is. I think there is a lot of hype into this midfield. I'm really interested about how it actually gels together. Oh, if they finish anywhere above eighth, then I'll be very surprised. Um, I think that their, their midfield, yeah, it, okay, it can be strong. It can be strong on paper. It can be strong in the game. But... They need a forward line. And what was one of their biggest issues last year? Their forward line. Mitch Wallace led their goal kicking, had a fantastic season. He'll have another fantastic season. But Aaron Norton needs to step up. Uh, Josh Bruce, one of their big recruits, he needs to either leave and play in the VFL or he needs to step up and start earning the money that he is getting. I think that too many players are named in that midfield that you mentioned there. So McRae and Hunter, uh, probably to the wings. Tom Libertore as that inside mid. Trelaw to deliver the ball long with uh, Bailey Smith as well, running on that outside. Bons and Pally, does he play up forward? He, he might have to with the size of him. And he, he actually goes up forward usually for spurts in, in games. So I think that he, he goes up forward a little bit more, tries to help them out with that goal kicker. Their, their ruck, I think, was a big weakness last season as well with Tim English. So Stefan Martin, they've brought him in as an older recruit from Brisbane to try and uh, to help Tim English along and help get that competitiveness in the ruck because they need it. If they're not going to be winning the hitouts, what's the point of having you know this amazing midfield that everyone speaks of? But um, hopefully Trelaw can do well after what happened to him at Collingwood. Um, I don't mind him as a player at all. And uh, hopefully he can hit a target for them. But if he hits a target... They're, they're going to drop them anyway. So, Ugo Hagen, maybe he can take some take some grabs down there. <laughs> it's very interesting that you say that, that, that you don't think that they would be lucky to, to make the, the eight. Um, very popular opinion, I think. The Bulldogs are going to be one of those teams where you're not sure how this is going to gel. You're not really certain if they're the team that's going to drop out of the eight or if they're going to propel up into the top four. I've got a really, really interesting question, Pez, and it's probably a very unpopular um Comments that I'm about to make, and it's it's not it's got nothing to do with the the Western Bulldogs. If this person played for any other side, I'd be saying the same thing. Has has Marcus Bontempelli reached his ceiling, and are we still are we still treating him on potential? He's been in the league six years now, and he did you know he won a premiership in his first year, and he had that amazing season. But since then, what has he done that has allowed him to have this status of an elite player that is? not bringing his sides into a win. We've compared, they've compared him to Fife and Dustin Martin. With him in that side and with that much else talent around him, they should be a walk-up start for a finals berth and probably a top four if, if, you know, if all that talent on paper plays to its potential. But have we, has, has Marcus Bonapelli reached his ceiling? Well, he, he hasn't because uh, he, 
he's not the most accurate kick around the field. So if he can improve that kicking, he, he has to be a walk-up start for that midfield. But because I'm saying he, he needs to play forward, it's because of his kicking accuracy around the ground where he just has to bomb at 50 metres where he can't pinpoint a target like Dustin Martin does on the run inside 50 pinpoints that target he kind of has to be on the end of it where he can take that grab sitting standing about six foot four um he's, he's able to do that but i think that they they need to be that running team with Trelaw, mccray hunter all feeding it into the forward line with bruce as the decoy aaron norton hopefully taking some some grabs mitch wallace down at the thing with mitch hannon as another recruit uh from the hawks will probably get a go there and, and josh dunkley with marcus bontepelli so they're hoping that their smaller forwards are the ones that are be going to kicking, going to be kicking the goals because they can't rely on Josh Bruce and uh, Aaron Norton probably needs to to step up a bit. Yeah, and I guess that's where where I was sort of you, you articulate a lot better than I was trying to. But you know when he first came into the to that midfield, Marcus Montepelli, he was an absolute superstar, and the concern was that he was a little bit inaccurate. But once he developed that, he would you know become this elite midfielder. And now he swapped his roles, but we still he can break open games don't get me wrong oh he gets the pill he gets the pill when he needs to it but the issue is that you know he's not going to get those rotations through that middle which i think really sort of limits his his um his growth again and the other thing that i'm really concerned about the doggies is dunkley generally average you know when he's up and about in that midfield averaging 40 touches trelaw averaging 40 touches bailey smith was getting close to that 40 touch mccray gets 40 touch they're going to have 180 possessions and the ball's not going to leave the center square because because we know that they accumulate a lot of the pills. Trelaw's a little bit different because he does generally have better midfielders around him. Like you know, he would get the ball to Pendlebury or, or you know, or side bottom, and they'd go and kick it forward. He doesn't have that anymore. He's got you got three players that are almost a carbon copy of each other. You're talking about handballs. Handballs. Handball. It's going to be handballs. Well, Trelaw's a player. If he kicks, he has to kick long because he, he's that same kind of issue that where he, he's not the most accurate kick, but he has to definitely improve that as well but i'm just worried about their defense and i'm worried about their forward line i'm not worried about them winning the pill getting the uh amounting the possessions throughout the game they're, they're going to have enough they're probably going to go inside forward 50 enough in most games to to be competitive and to to win most games but uh i do feel that they got hyped up last year because they got josh bruce and people were saying premiership people were saying top four there was so many experts uh doing that i was saying miss the eight and they they finished in the eight and uh and won, uh, nearly won a final, nearly stole a final from St Kilda. But uh, this year, I, even with those additions, I, I, I don't think... I haven't looked into the... We'll obviously do that closer to the season where we rank them on our ladder, but it'll be 7, seven to 10 around They'll that stage that, at the moment, I think. I, th- I think on first look, they're in that middle tier. I mean, they're hoping, I guess, with, you know, Stefan Martin going into that number one rucks, rucks spot, if he can stay healthy, that gives Tim English a bit more time to develop down there. They're hoping that he can turn into it. You've got uh, Jamara Ugal Hagen. You would expect him to start to, to, to play some games in there. He's meant to be, you know, the next Buddy Franklin in terms of size and what he can do around the pill and goals. I would assume that he probably doesn't get your walk-up start. He probably you know, fits into that side a little bit later into the season if there's an unlucky injury. But hopefully they don't have to have that problem at all, Piers. Hopefully they can you know, put it together and he, he probably does, it's hard for him to get into that side. But I think I, th- I agree with what you're saying, that, that forward line, I just don't know where their goals come from. Like, you know, their best, best forward last year was Wallace. And, you know, there were some, some websites that were saying Wallace would be lucky to be in their best 22, which is, which is really concerning. Oh, looking at that today and seeing, I'm looking at the forward line, I'm like, where's Mitch Wallace? He's one of the best small forwards in season 2020 and he's just a walk-up start for that and he's probably going to lead their goal-kicking, I would, I dare say, in, in 2021. I don't see, as a it, unless Aaron Norton 
you know, takes a lot of contested grabs and has a lot of shot at goal, but I'll put my money on Mitch Wallace. But as an ex-midfielder, medium forward, leading a goal kicking, that is concerning. Not a good thing. You want you want your big uh, spearhead uh, forward to be leading your goal kicking because then you'll be up there and your uh, small forward will, you know, if they can kick their 30, 40 goals, something like that, that'd be amazing. But actually to lead it with a, with a forward line with two other big tall forwards in there is uh, very concerning and I think that's where the Bulldogs need to focus. I think a lot of the focus is going to be, oh, we've got a star-studded midfield, we're going to be fine, we're going to be great. And then when they start to play a few games, they're going to realise, well, how are we going to change this? What are we going to do? Yeah, well, that's why one of the things that I guess Western Bulldog supporters have, have been sort of sitting on for the last couple of years is what are they going to do to take that next step? Got a great start, at, you know, star-studded midfield. They've got, you know, has showed some promise in making a final series this year. A lot of people, I think, are seeing them as a top four contender. For me, their, their pass mark has to be, you know, that six to ten. They, they must, you know, uh, uh, for me, a great season would be making top four. I wouldn't have that as the expectation. I would be getting back to that six to ten spot. And you know what? Not fighting into the last round, beating the teams they need to beat. And that's one of the problems the doggies have. And then, you know, putting a great challenging effort into some of those top teams. Yeah, and that's that's what the top four teams need to do, isn't it? They need to beat those teams that are not in the top eight because uh, you lose one, two, three games. Those premiership points are very, 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 very valuable uh, in 20-minute quarters next year. It's going to be interesting, going to be back to, to normal footy. Hopefully we get to go there. And uh, that wraps up our first five questions that we have. Uh, many more in the bank. Many more in the bank, Pez. Uh, first preseason hit out. I can see you yeah, clutching for the, for some hydration over there. Uh, yeah, I finished. <laughs> finished pretty early. Yeah, actually. I, I haven't <laughs> been able to move. I saw you there and you were sort of like, oh, what are we doing? But uh, it was a great little uh, first hit out, Pez. Hopefully we can get together and next week we can get through the next five questions on our list. Again, if you've got some questions, jump on our Twitter feeds, jump on our Facebook, our Instagram. Send us a text message if you're really that close with us. Get on the email. Get all your questions to us because, Pez... I've gotten a little bit excited about AFL 2021. That's it. I'm very excited. And if, if we don't talk about the question that you sent, get on to us and uh, tell us what we're doing. Give us a bit of banter and uh, uh, I'm sure Sauce will take it uh, to heart. I don't take me to heart. It wasn't banter. It was just a straight out go last time. But let's move on from that. Um, also, if you you know disagree or agree with any of our opinions or you want to weigh in any of the discussions that we have had today, make sure you jump on our Twitter, at Behind the Bounds, and our Facebook as well, uh, at Behind the Boundary. I think it is. I can't remember, Pez, because you are so out of practice that you've forgotten our... Uh, you're our you're the one they're <laughs> just trying to cover up, at Behind the Bound, uh, on all your social networks. Uh, awesome. I've been Pez. Peace out. I'm still Sauce. We'll catch up next time, guys. Now you're gone.